millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello and welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Boris. Now this week's business is an unusual one. I'm joined by the founder of a biotech company trying to change the world with, believe it or not, mushrooms. Julie Mitchell co-founded Lifecycle in 2015, looking at mushrooms as the next big superfood. Mushrooms aren't just food, they can be turned into mushroom milk products, sweeteners, clothing, and plenty more. Their core business is a backyard mushroom farm called Shroom Room, which allows people to grow mushrooms and then sell them back to the community. So I've got a lot of questions about how all this works in particular. Well, what's the deal with mushrooms and what Julian and Lifecycle have been doing all this time? So let's get into it. He's from Perth. He's living in Byron Bay. He's come down here for the interview. This is unreal. Julian Mitchell, welcome to The Mentor. Thanks, Mark. Excited to chat. I've been hanging out for this one because I'm a mad mushroom fan and um, I've got a farm, as you know, up in Byron Way and uh, I've got a forest up there and I've always been wondering if I've got mushrooms floating around the joint. Um, I'm sure I have down in the paddocks where the cows drop their dung, um, but that's probably not the mushrooms I want to be cooking up. Those ones. There's uh, there's a lot of mushrooms out there, but we have to be cautious. Yeah, totally <laughs> cautious. And and I'm and I'm probably one of those guys who uh, has a phobia of um, picking the wrong mushrooms too and poisoning myself or poisoning my guests. More importantly, um, okay. So your business is called Life Cycle. It's a cute way of uh, spelling cycle. S Y no C Y K E L. I don't. Know, is that a word? We made it hard for people to find us on Google. That was our strategy. Yeah, good but, idea. Uh, secondly, it was um, inspired by Scandinavia. That's sort of how it's spelled in Sweden and Norway and Denmark. And those guys are just doing a lot of great work in sustainability and in you know greener businesses. C Y K E L Life Cycle. Maybe they probably say sickle or something. They say like. Seekel, yeah. Seekel, okay. Um, and it's a cute name, life cycle. I get it. Um, and you're talking about, uh, I mean, we're talking about growing mushrooms here, and it sounds like an easy way for me to explain it, but it's a lot more complicated than that. And and it's actually more complex, but because of the complexities for me is really interesting. Um, right, why mushrooms, mate? I mean, why what's your background? How'd you get into mushrooms? Yeah, my background's physio, so not really a natural progression from physio to mushrooms. Worked in elite sport, um, and then, you know, I guess just over in England in the Premier League and from there really uh, left that environment thinking what do I want to do with my time and so uh, you know looking at you know I guess the future of food and how do you feed 9 billion people by 2050 um, and broadacre farming is not sustainable in that sense and deforestation and water use and chemical use it all looked pretty bad and so looking at different systems aquaponics hydroponics but mushrooms and growing mushrooms ticked a lot of boxes in the sense that you can grow them from waste product such as coffee waste in our case, but a lot of agricultural waste can grow mushrooms. So you're reutilizing a resource that's already been through a system. Water use is very, very low. Chemical use is, is zero. And uh, you know, in terms of nutrient value, B vitamins, iron, um, you know, minerals such as zinc, manganese, uh, all of these amazing compounds are in these mushrooms. And so they're very healthy and sustainable um, and they're not harming the planet. And they're and it's a it's protein. They got they got protein. Good in them? protein source as yep. well. Yeah, that's why the oysters uh, that we grow primarily is also known as the vegetarian steak because it's a good substitute. Right. Okay. So let's just. Well, why don't we just park the nutritional value of a mushroom for a second? Um, let's quickly cover off sort of the bigger topic, the macro topic. Sounds like one of the things that was driving you in the beginning is maybe to make a difference in the world. In other words, be able to feed the billions of people that in a, in a more sustainable way. I mean, do you, how does that work? I mean, why 
Puffin nutritional value. Why would mushroom as a food be a better way to feed the billions of people in the world given the shortage of land that we'll end up having, et cetera, et cetera? Mm. Really, it's around, I guess, yeah, going through a checklist of, you know, what, how do you, is it scalable? Is it low tech? Are uh, there resources in place? And so, you know, you can set up micro mushroom businesses like we've done with the National Mushroom Network. And we can talk a bit about that, but scaling that across the world is sort of a part of our vision which is enabling micro mushroom businesses globally, starting in Australia where we're collecting and using coffee waste, which is a, a resource currently going to landfill. And so, but you can also use, you know, if you've got, you know, coconut husk, um, you know, sugarcane waste, um, waste from the barley or wheat industry, um, you know, sawdust, all of these waste streams can be used. And so this is prevalent in industries all around the world. So that's a, a tick box in terms of having access to that. Low water use, um, low electricity requirements means it can be set up in remote islands. We've had a number of you know inquiries from from Philippines, from Manila, um, from South Africa, from different areas where we want to, I guess, enable people to grow mushrooms in time as well because it, we can do that. And and, and do you, I mean is there a, do we have to we're talking about a particular type of mushroom here that's going to cover all these things or any type of mushroom? We work in the space of gourmet mushrooms, so I guess not your. What you see in Coles and Woolies typically as your you know, button or your Swiss brown or your those varieties, but oyster mushrooms, uh, shiitake mushrooms, lion's mane, uh, and yeah, those varieties of mushrooms which are, you know, for the average Australian, um, we consume probably less than 50 grams of that a year versus Asian countries consume about three kilos per person. Right, per annum. Yeah. Wow. And three kilos of mushrooms, that would be a lot because uh, a mushroom doesn't weigh much. Yeah. And, so, and I, I presume that uh, in terms of health benefits, because let's look at the nutrition health benefits of a mushroom, um, mushroom in itself is probably not going to make you fat or unhealthy. I mean, I don't know. Is it, what, yeah, I mean, if, if, when we think of mushrooms, we should think of immunity. And so if we look at the top 10 most profitable medications, uh, cyclosporin, which is an immune-boosting sort of immunosuppressant used a lot in you know, transplant of organs um, and in suppressing the immune system when it's hyperactive. Uh, you've got anti-depressant, anti-cholesterol lowering medication, anti-hypertensive, so blood pressure, uh, these and penicillin, of course, all come from a fungi uh, derivative. And so mushrooms have been medicating us for a long time. Now it's not saying uh, these mushrooms are here to to treat disease, but it's about maintaining good health, optimum health, um, which my background in elite sport is all about prevention, and, and people know what we should be doing in terms of that. So food is medicine, uh, and mushrooms can be a part of that. And and so I mean I I get that fungi does that, um, but mushrooms as a food, as opposed to us eating penicillin, uh, the um, penicillin is growing on some sort of fungi. Um, um, d- d- what other nutritional value does it have? Like I mean I don't know, but I'm I'm just looking at some mushrooms here. Mm-hmm. It looks to me to be pretty low on calories. I mean I just I don't know why I think that, but I, I I'm assuming mushrooms are not going to make it fat because they're not going to be heavy calories. Obviously no sugar sitting in there. Um, there's probably uh, not too many nasties in there, in t- assuming that it's one that's edible. Um, and then you're saying it's got good protein levels. It's got lots of different vitamins in there and I presume mm. minerals. And amino acids as well, which are the building blocks of protein. So when we think, oh, we need our protein consumption, what we really need beyond that is our amino acids. Right. To the building blocks of protein. And so these oyster mushrooms here and a number of other ones we grow have the full spectrum of that. Because you've got a scientific background. You're a physio? Physio, but um, we were well out of our depth fairly early on. And so um, you know, we, we had a, a Parisian biotechnology engineer join the team. And he's over here based at our headquarters in Byron Bay. And we have a mycologist and we have a, a nanotechnologist who assists the team as well. So pretty heavily geared in science in the background. So, so your your science team or scientific team, um, are they sitting back and sort of telling you things that you never knew about mushrooms? I mean, is there something that you're found out about mushrooms that we would like to know? I mean, Every day we're we're astonished, and we sort of think uh, you know, one lifetime is not enough to to really unravel everything within the world of fungi and mushrooms, and it's probably been the most underexplored area of science by far. Why is that? It's a very good question. I'm not. I'm not sure. And when we talk to sort of other disciplines, um, they just they have no idea about fungi, um, and and so that's very. I guess it's almost like because it's fungi is it? You know, because we get this weird thing about fungus, like it you know grows out of cow shit and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, like, is that the because, reason? Because of what is the history behind it? I'm yeah. sure there's been you know a few PR cases of, of poisoning, and you know that I guess startles people. Um, and for whatever reason, it's been yeah, not 
of interest, but we sort of see it as a you know discovering a new continent in terms of the applications are infinite beyond what you put on your plate. Um, you know we have four patents lodged around different technologies um, within biotechnology such as mushroom leather, such as a, a low sugar sweetener. Well, hang on, what's mushroom leather? Uh, we're growing leather, so in exchange of animal leather. So we're growing uh, mushroom leather, which is it? Can you make a pair of shoes out of it, or a belt, or something? We will, yeah, yeah, yeah. So are you are you you're developing it as yeah. opposed to like you just don't strip the skin off a mushroom now and say, oh, here's a belt, bit no, of belt yeah, leather. We, we we grow it. Yeah, yeah. You, you're modifying the genetics, or you... it's all natural processes. Yeah. So biotechnology can go down two paths, and you can manipulate things. Um, you know, going down a, a, I guess a non-natural path, or you can just work with nature and we try to go down that path where we're not adding any additives, nasties, chemicals, um, and just manipulating the environment or creating the environment to let nature do its thing. Right. Mm. And, and so, you got, so potentially, you haven't got it yet, but you're going to have some mushroom leather? Mushroom leather, yeah. What else you got? Mushroom nectar, which is a, a low sugar sweetener. So there's five million, over five million varieties of mushroom out there, and each one is like a key that unlocks a different door. And so you've got the oyster. Five million varieties of mushroom. So they outnumber plants, uh, you know, almost six Five million varieties of like that. Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. And so uh, there's so many out there that we don't know very much about that are undiscovered and we don't know what applications they can have. Um, and so, yeah, mushroom leather is a particular mushroom strain that grows. And I guess don't think the fruiting body of the mushroom, it's the roots of the mushroom that we are, uh, we are using. So the root system. For the leather. Yeah. For the so, leather. And what about uh, the sugar thing, the sugar replacement? Yeah, so this What's is that? a different mushroom that has a naturally sweet taste. Mm, and so this is a product that we are bringing out very soon, which is 25 grams of sugar per 100 compared to honeys and syrups, which are upward of 85% uh, sugar. Right. And and so, so it, it is a sugar, though, in this It's got sugars in it. It's got natural sugars <clears throat> in it. Uh, makes it naturally sweet. It's like a creamy, if you imagine like a, it's almost like a creamy caramel honey. Is what it looks like. Is what it tastes like. Where, where, where is this? Where is this stuff? It's inside the mushroom, or you have to blend the mushroom through, up. We blend the mushroom up. It goes through some extraction processes. Um, it goes through some heating processes, um, and then we have the product. Yeah. Right. Right. And and is that like mushroom grown in Australia, or you had to discover it in the Himalayas or something like that? Don't no, everything is native. Right. Yeah. Like, native to Australia. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so you, yeah. you guys have been foraging in the forest and uh, found this mushroom? Yeah, or? we're very lucky. We get a lot of uh, people coming to us with their properties, private properties, saying, oh, do you want to come and check out our forest and see if there's anything there? And you know, and so we take cultures. Um, we've taken cultures from properties in the Blue Mountains for a mushroom called turkey tail, which is in one of our extracts. Um, we've got a couple from Tasmania. And so there's, yeah, there's amazing mushroom gems in forests in Australia um, that we don't know a lot about. Um, that we're working with. And this is the oldest continent in the world, so I guess if you're going to find some unusual things, you might be able to find them right here in exactly. this country, exactly. in our continent, Australia. Mm -hmm. um, and so we've got leather, potentially leather. We've mm -hmm. got a sweetener. Yep. What, well, what other, any other products that you're looking at? Uh, animal and human immunity. And so this is around, again, thinking of mushrooms, when you think medicinal mushrooms, think immune properties. So they have polysaccharides and beta-glucans, and these are sort of the, the activators of your immune system. Um, helping you ward off, um, you know, stress, disease. Where would we normally get that from if we're not eating a mushroom? Uh, like where would we normally get those two things? I don't even know the bloody words you just said. What are the words? Yeah, beta, polysaccharides and beta-glucans. Where like, do they usually come where from? Where would we normally get those into our system? Or is it already in our system? I mean, would, do we get it from meat and vegetables or steak or fish or? Mushrooms, yeah. No, no, but let's assume we don't eat yeah, mushrooms. don't have where, mushrooms. Where would we ordinarily where get, would get from? Get from? You can get them from a lot of synthetic supplements. Right. Yeah. Supplements more yeah, than any. Yeah. And um, so let's, okay, so you've now found them in mushrooms. Mm. Uh, is, that, is that what your scientist guys have discovered them or you yeah. already knew that? Yeah, or? we already knew that. It, you know, it's in the literature. I mean, mushrooms is in the scientific community, um, which is, you know, universities and research institutes. There's over 10,000 papers right. on these mushrooms. So it's not new uh, in that sense. Right. Um, but it's new to bringing it to the mainstream. Yeah, new to and consumer. It's, and it's new to, I guess, communicating it to the consumer and how do you bring it into the consumer's life. And so we do that with our everyday range of products, which are you know easy to consume, um, not really talking a lot about the science, but just building it into the day, for example, with a mushroom coffee, with a mushroom hot chocolate that we have. Those things make it easy um, for the, the busy you know, modern day person to, to fit into their life and to consume those as compounds. a supplement sort of thing. Mm. So let, let's let's look at these 
polysaccharides, is that is? Yeah. The polysaccharides yeah. and the other thing, whatever it was, beta something or other. Beta, yeah. beta glucans. Beta glucans. Um, it's another language. <clears throat> it is. Um, but um, do all mushrooms have this stuff or you've got to get a special type mushroom to give you the highest levels yeah. of it? Exactly. Certain mushrooms have, uh, you know, higher amounts, but also then it's also our processes in terms of how you how you extract it. And so this is where uh, I guess some of our technology lies and some of our IP is. So you guys are in there sort of trying to work out um, the secret source as to how do I get the mm-hmm. optimum amount of those two things, yep. which uh, help your immune system. How do I get those out of this particular type of mushroom? And then what are you putting it in a capsule or something like that? Putting it in uh, extracts, liquid extracts is, is uh what we believe is is the best way forward in terms of absorption by the body. Because so what we got here, we got. I'm going to reach over here. We this got is a shiitake double extract. Uh, shine with shiitake. Okay, that's just a little yeah. strap line. But so what's this got in it? This essentially is a is a shiitake mushroom in an extract. So it's a ten to one extract. So in terms of potency, it's uh you know it's it's ten to one in terms of ten mushrooms equal one serve. Right. So it's just but getting what, 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 what I mean, I'm get, I yeah. understand, but what, what's shiitake got in it that's really cool? Like, uh, is that got this? In yeah, uh, really, it's around vitamin D, it's around proliferation of, of skin repair and skin cells. Um, so it's I mean, used, I need that. I got a it's used a lot in Korean cosmetics yeah. and Korean skincare. Really? High end Korean skincare, you'll find shiitake not written like that, but you'll see its species name written uh, in almost all of all of those cosmetics and all of those skincare anti-aging properties. Because they know their shit, the Koreans, when it comes to, you know, what they do with their skin. There's 60% of uh, women between the age of um, 20 and 30 in Korea have had some sort of augmentation of their body, you mm. know, like something. They've done something to themselves. So, so they're very conscious of how they very look. Very conscious, yeah. So, yeah. so we believe in natural solutions. Yeah, this is a natural one. Yeah. But and, they're probably taking this shit stuff yeah, too, you know, yeah, like, uh, yeah. okay, that's cool. So... Uh, why? I mean, is there some sort of ancient deal going on here where someone's already known about this for a long, long time? Maybe some somebody sitting up on a mountain in Tibet or in the Himalayas or, as we just said, Korea or somewhere in China that yeah. they already knew about this stuff and they've been doing this stuff for years. Traditional and Chinese medicine is thousands of years old, absolutely. And so it's, I guess we're trying to merge the East and the West in the sense that the West has provided a lot of research on this, a lot of you know rigor uh, in inverted commas, and then you've got the, the East that have been doing it, practicing it for thousands of years and 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 feel it and and believe it intuitively that it works for certain ways. And I was in China last year um, doing a bit of a tour and they have, you know, pharmacies over there that are just full of mushrooms. Yeah, I know. I've seen it myself. It's mad. Yeah. And and so to go into those. All dried. Yeah. And very, very expensive in terms of the mushrooms there. And then the same mushrooms that we're growing, reishi, cordyceps, lion's mane, um, and they revere them as having, you know, medicinal compounds. Because yeah, I've often thought to myself, is it all bullshit? Like, uh, mm. you know, because they got all these mushrooms dried everywhere, and they got they got other things stuck as well in these oriental medicine environments, and then they grind them all up and they make a soup out of them yeah. or something like that, and then you eat it, and allegedly it gives you a you know whatever yeah. increases your vitality or helps yeah. your immune system or mm. etc. Yeah. Um, you know, relieves depression. It, it doesn't. It's not there. To, they don't claim it cures cancer or those sorts of things. But it, these everyday things that we tend to have to endure, um, because because I'm a firm believer in our bodies. Bodies just chemistry and um, uh, electrical um, movement. So like um, you know, whereas and then when our chemistry changes, we can get ill. Mm-hmm. You know, we might be low in this and high in that, or yeah. the, the balance is wrong, yeah. and um, Clearly, you know, everything else out there in nature is chemical too. The same, on the same proposition has to apply to everything. So some of these things that are out there, maybe mushrooms is the answer, um, can help us rebalance ourselves. Is that sort of the theory? You yeah, know, sort of a you know, def- real layman's Yeah, term. I definitely see, um, you know, that going back to that sort of that food is medicine piece and, and understanding what we put in our bodies, um, you know, is either, you know, fueling us for, for a good day and optimum health or it's going the other way. And it's on a very micro level as well, in the sense of you can eat badly for a few years and it, you get away with it, but then you'll get chronic disease in, in 10, 20 years' time. And it's sort of a bit the same with, with uh, the mushrooms and the way we sort of, I guess, advise taking them. It's based on traditional Chinese philosophy of everyday small amounts. Um, and you'll feel a compounding effect to that. So, okay, so let's say, because, I mean, I just want to look at that word, that, that phrase, food is medicine, because that's an important one. Um, I don't think people get it. They don't think... I mean, I understand, sort of, I have a view on it, but 
but I don't think they understand it. And maybe a better way of putting it for me, if you don't mind me saying so, is uh, um, uh, we're, we're one big chemical factory and uh, we our chemicals get out of balance. So we need to input other chemicals in our food mm-hmm. or our environment yeah. just to rebalance us. That, that's to me yeah. the best way to explain it. Um, but of course, we could you could do it wrong too. You could stuff it up. You know, because equally, if I don't put the right chemicals into my system, or I put too much of something into my system, I could bugger myself up. I could go the other direction. How do your organisation, or how do how does a consumer like me, who let's say I believe in this, which I do, um, how do I prescribe this to myself? I mean, how does it work? Like, uh, let's say I'm feeling a bit ordinary. I need more vitality, um, and you want to give me the, you know, the the uh, Asian version or the Indian version of uh, Viagra, whatever it's called. <laughs> well, no, what's that stuff called? Uh, there's one called mushroom called cordyceps. Okay, yeah. so it, and I want to take the extract that to give me my increase my vitality. In other words, give me more energy. Mm-hmm. Um, how do how do I make sure I don't over overdose myself or over prescribe myself? Or is it not possible? Maybe you can't. Maybe you just flush it out if you have too much of it. Yeah, I mean we've got I guess allocated servings uh, on the cylinders on the on the bottles, and in terms of I guess, you know, wanting that vitality or wanting that energy or whatever it is, you know, you're, you're after. There's sort of different mushrooms that have different functions. The cordyceps, personally for me, lion's mane and cordyceps I take every morning. Uh, first thing on an empty stomach in the extract form. Um, you know, I do that five days a week. And it's a bit like coffee in terms of managing it because you don't want to, I guess, become accustomed to it and become reliant on it. But you also want its full effects and benefits. And so you want to have some time away from it. But Monday to Friday, starting my morning with, with lion's mane and cordyceps, um, you know, amazing clarity, amazing energy without the need for caffeine or coffee. So you, would you have it in this, this in this mushroom coffee form? Is that what you're talking about? Or? Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. You can have it in, in your coffee, um, but we have it in bottles as well, such as this. So I guess going back a, a step further around food is medicine, it's where was your food growing? How was it growing? And so going back to when I was in China last year and seeing how things were growing and seeing middle-class China are very interested in Australian food because they understand it's growing in clean air, clean water, they clean like soils. They like the providence of it. Yeah, the yeah. providence, but also the realities of how it's growing. And in China, if you're in Shanghai and Beijing, it's uh, you know it's very hard to get you buying bottled water. Um, you know, you're coming home with, with dust on you. And so at the end of the day, so I guess going back to food is medicine, how is it growing, where was it growing, et cetera. Um, you know, we believe our medicinal mushrooms growing in Byron Bay in the pristine hinterland um, is, is the highest quality. So taking it a step further in terms of, okay, a celery is good for me, but where was it growing? How was it growing? Are there any sprays on it? It's probably going to the next step where I think the conversation will lead to. Well, I, mean, I, I understand that. I get that. But how does, um, let's say it's me, how do I know how much to take or not to take? I mean, or do I just sort of... Yeah. I mean, for let's take let's look at the liquid extracts, for example. So it's two pipettes. So it's uh, two serves is two meals. Uh, so one service, two meals. Yep, you can. Uh, we advise just to drop into your water. Yeah, here's my water. Yeah, I'll tell you how I feel after it. <laughs> so two of those is a, is a serve, and uh, it's about you know da- daily uh, consumption. And and what's this one? This is the this shiitake, is shiitake one. So shiitake is really again around. Uh, I mean, think of all cells. Skin, skin, uh, vitamin D, which today in Sydney's. Is, is good, but really around, yeah, going back to where shiitake used, it's used as an immune-boosting properties, but also around cell and skin proliferation and regeneration. Right, okay. And mm. and this and this one here, um, magic mushroom coffee. Well, it's mm. not magic mushrooms, I presume. It's not the problem. Just magic. play on words. Yeah, okay. it's, ma- it's magic with a, uh, M-A-G-I-C-K. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. Um, and what does this do? I mean, it, what sort of mushroom are we talking about here, by the way? It's got shaga and cordyceps. So again, probably talking into a new language of mushrooms here with all these different varieties. But that's a a coffee we uh, suggest having black because it's very smooth. So the shaga mushroom is very alkaline. And so the coffee bean is very acidic. And we know acidic environment in our stomach or in our body is not good for us. And so by balancing it with that shaga mushroom, it's just a a smoother taste for one because it's not so acidic in its bite. It's got coffee. Right. So again, we've sort of developed a range, uh, you know, for on the go busy people and uh, merging it into your everyday life because they already drink coffee. Okay, great. Well, um, you know, upgrade it by having some chaga and cordyceps in that mushroom. So the chaga mushroom, one of the most antioxidant uh, rich you know, foods in the world, 
essentially you know trace minerals uh, full, and so that is helping to smooth out the coffee. Instead of getting when you drink a black coffee, a lot of people say, "Oh, it's too bitter," so they add milk, they add sugar. It's smoother. Of course, you can add milks if you want. And the cordyceps mushroom on top of that is really around energy production, increasing energy to your cells. Um, so it's used a lot with endurance athletes. And there's some interesting stories as where it was used at the Olympics. One lady, a uh, Chinese lady, 16 years ago, broke the the 10,000 meter world record, beating a Kenyan by 20 seconds, and automatically they're pointing the finger, saying drugs and and this and that, and that's sort of where cordyceps first came out. Was she using um, cordyceps? She was using cordyceps uh, in, in terms of her training and part of her regime. And so that's when it sort of broke through into the media around cordyceps, and from there there was a lot of trials done. Does it improve VO2 max? Yes, it does. So it improves your ability to absorb But are these things no, known? Like, I mean, I've never heard of this stuff. I mean, like, not that I should it's, have. It's but in that. the articles, but, yeah, yeah, I mean, who's reading these journal articles? You know, unless you're a scientist. Well, Russians and the Chinese <laughs> athlete, athletic coaches yeah, are. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but how many is readily available? Can you get cordyceps? I mean, she wasn't eating. She didn't go and sit in a big pile of cordyceps every morning in a breakfast. Just have it in a powder form or yeah, a liquid yeah. form, yeah. But you can get that stuff. You can get that stuff, yeah. That's yeah. mad. Yeah. And can you get it in Australia or? We're the only grower commercially right. um, of medicinal mushrooms. And I guess going back to, we believe in, in transparency and, and quality products. And so growing locally um, is part of our strategy. It's part of our strategy with the National Mushroom Network, um, which is enabling more growers around Australia. But yeah, we, we grow these medicinal mushrooms in Byron Bay. Um, and we have a, a team of scientists working on that. Because well, I'm going to go to the break now. Because when I come back for the break, I actually want to talk to you about the business. So I, I really want to get into this uh, business, what you're doing with mushrooms. Because I, I find it fascinating, the whole mushroom concept. But then not, what I find even more fascinating is that someone like yourself and your team, you've worked out, okay, we're going to turn this into a business and we need to tell everybody about it because it's something we would like to make it. We want to make a change in the world. So there's your, there's your big view, how you want to change the way people consume nutrition moving away from some of the traditional stuff or at least um, adjunctive to the traditional diet and then I want to ask you like what is your business proposition we'll come back so I'm here with Julian Mitchell and he's from Life Cycle or C-Y-K-E-L and uh, Life Cycle's a it's an interesting business it's probably and that's what I want to talk about this this half the business itself it's about the business of I don't know, extracting the best out of mushrooms and putting it into compounds that uh, everyday Australians and maybe other people around the rest of the world where people will consume, not only for nutritional benefits, but uh, maybe to some extent even for its um, novelty to some extent. I mean, people say, well, this is something new. Let me try it out. Your business is in Byron Bay. I mean, how the hell? I'm really getting jealous of all these people that I interview <laughs> about businesses in Byron Bay. Um are you from Byron Bay? Why did you decide to go in Byron Bay? How did that all work? Yeah, so we uh, started the business in Fremantle. Um, in Perth? Yeah, in Perth there. Um, grew up in Perth and uh, Ryan and myself working on the mines as health consultants. Um, so I was a physio. Ryan had a health background as well. We were sort of FIFO, which is fly in, fly out, um, which gave us an opportunity, I guess, working one week on, one week off um, to dedicate to building the business in the early stages. Did a crowdfunding. Um, not ever This had- business? So you started business. this business from mm-hmm. Perth, yeah. doing your, your fly and fly out through the mines, yeah. and you just come up with an idea at like hanging out together and you just decide you're going to do it at night and during your spare time. Exactly. Yeah. And you crowdfunded it yeah. initially. Yeah. Crowdfunded okay. it initially um, because we like the idea of, of this concept of turning waste into food, growing mushrooms off coffee but waste. Where'd you come up with the idea though? I mean, you're just sitting around one night like, uh, you know, at, at a camp or I mean, how did it all yeah. work? It was just looking at. Everything, I guess, that's sort of happening out in the world around food systems and, and going back to aquaponics and hydroponics, which have been around for hundreds of years, um, and, and mushrooms as well, which is fairly undiscovered. And so just looking at best systems. Well, why mushrooms? Like, I mean, I understand. Like, why, 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 two guys sitting there and said, why don't we fucking sit around and work out something else that uh, let's, that's going to feed the world and we can make some money out of it? I mean, what? Yeah, they just, through the checklist, they ticked all the boxes in terms of, you know, a protein, a healthy uh, protein supplement. Uh, you can grow them in urban areas. You can grow them in remote areas. Um, all of those things tick the boxes, and it, it's sort of just such an unventured area that we knew um, that there's other areas that we can get into so in terms of scalable ideas around technology as well, which we sort of saw that revolution around uh, medicinal marijuana and hemp and, and that take unfolding about three years ago. And so we sort of thought, and also listening to Peter Thiel, um, you know, zero to one, 
really around that strategy of you want to be, you know, first or second or don't bother in terms of business. Um, and so you want to be a leader. And so you need to grab space early and understanding that that space of medicinal mushrooms was very new, very novel. Um, you know, there was no one dominating that space. And it f- fitted with our own personal ethos around you know, ticking all those boxes, whether you're vegetarian, vegan, paleo, mushrooms <laughs> are about unification. Everyone can agree that mushrooms are good. And uh, so there's not too many people that have problems with them uh, from that point of view, which is good. And, and so, you can make them tasty too. Exactly. The mush- the lion's mane is known as the lobster of the woods. It tastes like lobster. Really? Yeah. So there's different varieties out there that, that have different uh, taste profiles. So that's where we started. How did we gravitate to Byron? Well, we came a couple of times like most people, and then you realize this is too good. Um, Pretty and, mad surfers or something? I mean, <laughs> uh, We're not, actually. We'd love to have some time to surf, but... Um, but why Byron? Of, why didn't, why didn't well, you Well, we connected uh, with um, one of our, our key team members there, Will. Um, you know, him and his partner were doing some some great work in that sort of food into waste. Um, so we shared shared alignment of ethos, values, um, and just seeing the unfolding of it being a sustainable valley um, in terms of the amount of businesses that are around there. And I guess going back to Peter Thiel again, zero to one, uh, one of the key pillars is around network effects mm. and understanding the importance of networks. And so... We're not, we were there early on. We just felt everything is within reach. Everything we need in terms of talent, people, other businesses that we can collaborate with. And we believe a lot in collaboration. Um, and so, and of course, lifestyle and also understanding the importance of flow, personal flow. Which you know, means so, what? Which means, I guess, how you, as you know, when you're in a business, you're working seven days a week, you're working flat out. But at the same time, how do you maintain that over a long period of time? You can just check out and go to the beach. You can check out, go to the rainforest, sit under a waterfall, um, and then go back and work. And so we never feel like we're working except we're working 19 hours a day. I I think for the (laughs) listeners here, we're talking about a place where Julian's business, Julian and his partners' business is is a place called the Industrial State in Byron Bay. And that sounds pretty heavy, but it's not. Um, It's – you can literally – if you want to walk, probably take 10 minutes to walk from the industrial state to uh, the Blondial, where the Blondial mm. River meets the ocean. Um, it's pretty isolated. It's beautiful. It's, uh, the weather's great up there for people who don't know Byron Bay. Um, and then you can get into town or maybe probably get out of town is probably better. Um, and there's a whole lot of cool things you can do. You just said, as you said, you can go and sit in waterfalls in various places or just go for walks or just hang out. Yeah. And yeah. and what's interesting in that industrial state, you you made a good, uh, a really good comment earlier on about networking. I would rather say it's more like a community. Yeah. A lot of people they're trying new stuff and cool stuff and interesting things. Some of which would maybe well may well fit into what you're doing. Um, everyone up there is sort of interested, so you know you have to be able to talk about your product, your topic, and what you're doing. And you need to be able to talk to people interested. If people just yawn when they look yeah. at you, well, yeah. you, you lost that advantage. And yeah. uh, so that that's really important. That industrial estate's got a lot of interesting people in that community. Yeah. I mean, is, is that is that how it's worked out for you? Because did you did you know that before you went to Byron Bay? Not the first couple of times we visited. I didn't even know of Byron Bay to be honest when I was living in Fremantle. Um, you know, and it was just sort of seen as this as this hippie space and and surfer town and some combi vans getting around and but coming over there and and meeting great people um with great businesses um with shared alignment in ethos and value and what they're trying to achieve um it just sort of felt like like you said it is a community it's not like uh again inverted commas with it you know you do networking there you just everyone's uh trying to help each other mm. and the more you give the more you get in return in that funny uh way about it so yeah we're excited to be got there good resources there too Good resources uh, and it's gone beyond hippie. It's gone, it's gone beyond novelty or new stuff. It's sort of getting a little bit of edge to it now. Scientists, mm-hmm. engineers, yeah, and commercial. It's becoming more commercial yeah. in that sense. It's not people with an idea, which I think it's always been ahead of its time. The Northern Rivers in ideas, um, and you know, I think I heard a story last night that the first actual internet and Wi-Fi uh, in Australia was set up in the Northern Rivers. So they were the first to have it. Was Wi-Fi that was, as an Australian invention. Yeah. Uh, and that was based around uh, a way to, I guess, talk about activism and talk about environmental issues around the rainforest. So they've always been ahead of their time there. I guess what's coming uh, with it now is uh, commerciality and a sort of a structure and uh, a way to, you know, scale um, the sustainable ideas that they have. And the community sort of sponsors it as well as the council. Everything's sort of geared towards it. Um, so, like, it's important to be in these environments. And a lot of people call these, you know, incubators and you know startups and all that sort of stuff but 
Byron, that industrial state itself has a nat- is a natural incubator. Mm-hmm. It, it's not established as one, but it is a natural one. And the, the original reason why the council set the industrial state up is to make sure that anything related to industry, any type of industry, was not in town. Yeah. And it was out of town, so it didn't cause traffic problems. Yeah. It was quite a clever thing to do. Mm-hmm. And I know balance, like a lot of the Northern Rivers towns have got these now. Um, yeah. But the Byron one is um, a, quite a, um, a rich hub of unusual ideas from people who just make unusual timber products, yeah. you know, yeah. craftsmen, yeah. skilled guys, girls, yeah. um, clothing, clothing people, um, who, some of which are doing brilliantly well mm-hmm. um, through to the sort of stuff that you're doing. And yours is more a scientific edge to it to, from my point of view. And, and also there's guys down the metal workers yeah. doing great work with metal. Um, it's it's really a cool place. I, love, I actually love going down there. I mean, I, I, I got a farm up that way and um, – I just love going to industrial state, yep. even to Bunnings. I mean, it sounds ridiculous, <laughs> but the Bunnings is even interesting down there. So, um, so you you decided to come over to Byron Bay, <clears throat> and for all the interesting and good quality reasons that you decided upon, um, and then you decided then to continue your research about trying to find a product. Well, we had, I guess, where you know most biotechnology companies wait five, six, seven years for their invention, and in the meantime, they're sourcing funding. Mm. I guess we went the other way in terms of, um, you know, we create revenue from day one. So we're self-sustaining and we're self-sufficient. And we're, so you make money. We make money. Cash flow, yeah. yeah. We have, <laughs> we, uh, we have our, our retail products. Um, we have our national mushroom network, which enables other growers. And so, so, sorry, just, just the, can I, before I go up mm. to how you source your product, mm. which is the national growers network, mm. let's just go back to you, you've got your own product, you sell your own product. Yeah. So where do you sell your product? I, I've never seen anywhere. It's not yeah, in Woolworths, our, for example. Yeah, so. our retail lines. Um, so our mushroom <clears> boxes are in, are in nurseries across Australia and in health food stores along with our mushroom coffee and our extracts. So and can I just have a look at this one here? Yeah. Is this, is this an example? This is an example of our, of our sort of mushroom box, which is uh, an entry level into growing food at home, whether you are you know, living in an apartment or a busy life, you can put it on your kitchen bench and it grows very easily. So you just, I just want to show it. So this is life cycle. These are, hopefully they're clean. <laughs> not ground and dog shit or something. It's is fine. It? It's coffee ground. So this is a, an oyster mushroom, which are bloody expensive when you buy them normally, and if you can find them. And this is how it grows. It's pretty cool. It's not very heavy. It weighs I don't know, maybe a kilo, kilo and a half. Um, and uh, as I understand it, it regrows two or three times. Yeah. Once you harvest this one, yeah. it grows two or three times. Yeah. So that's a pretty good thing. And how much does this cost? It's $30. 30 bucks. Yeah. So for 30 bucks, you get... Three harvests, but you also get the, the joy of kids seeing it grow. You put, I guess you just put it in a place in your kitchen or somewhere. Yeah, very, very low maintenance. Yeah, yeah low maintenance. Yeah. No water needed. comes with a mister. You just give it a mist. But what we find, especially the experience, it's on an exponential curve. So each day it doubles in size. So when you wake up and see that tomorrow, you're going to be astonished. That's mad. By how big it is. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's, that's really cool. Yeah. Like, really cool. And I think what I think I love about this is that it has, a, has an educational uh, piece to it too. Like yeah. I'm really big on kids knowing where food comes from. Yeah. It's so important to me. And I guess inside, have you got the coffee, ground coffee? Is that what you're talking Yeah, it grows off coffee. Okay, why don't you yeah. explain this to me? Like, so, because, you know, you're recycling, I, I yeah. presume. So you're going around picking up all the used yeah. coffee. Upcycling, I guess, because we're turning <clears throat> what's coffee waste, which goes to landfill into a, you know, a high value product of food. And so we do it with Virgin Australia. We have a partnership with Virgin Australia where we collect from their lounges and a number of cafes across Australia because we uh, we process coffee waste in a few states. So and and do you get coffee and coffee waste and because coffee waste what you're talking about is when you go to get the coffee from the, the barista or whatever you call it, mm. they they usually got this big tube thing, which they when they finish making coffee they go bang bang and the the coffee used coffee drops out into the this this thing and then they tip it out somewhere I guess do they exactly so what yeah. do you got someone to run around saying look could you fill my bucket up with the waste yeah, coffee yeah we've got a collection system yeah and uh, we collect from Virgin Australia and other and other other sort of cafes in uh, urban areas does it taste like cup, cappuccino or something like has it got the, any coffee uh, if we taste? get the caffeine in it we'll get a deal with Red Bull but um, <laughs> yeah it's just no, a, does it suck up any caffeine what you, what the chefs report is just a stronger texture and flavour. Yeah, and a stronger body, but not a, not, not a coffee no, flavor. It's not coffee. There's no. Yeah. And and how is it that oysters can grow out of well, these particular ones can grow out of coffee waste? Mushrooms are just very good at consuming organic material. So you've got to train them if you like to do that. Um, and there's certain strains that grow better on certain products, such as coffee, coffee ground. Um, but they're just the natural recyclers in nature. So I can buy this um, online. 
Online, yep. Lifecycle.com.au. Lifecycle.com, yep. Dot com yep. or dot .au? Uh, both is fine, but, yep. Right, yep. Um, and we have our, our retail products as well, which is, you know, about consuming the medicinal well, just, mushrooms. So if I want, do I go and buy it at Santos? Or, what you you can buy it at Santos, absolutely. <clears throat> Santos. Um, and then other distributors are, you know, GoVita, um, which is a health food distribution store, and they've got around 150 stores in Australia. So how are you doing your distribution part? So, I mean, I, I get you got some stores. What, you got a team of people um, going around knocking on distributors and saying, excuse me, would you like to stock this and sell this? I mean, how are you getting the stockers to take it from you in terms of your distribution mm. of your products? Very early, we were, we were very lucky in getting a, a lot of PR. <clears throat> we had a story that got 1.6 million views on ABC, and David Wolf, who's a, an enormous sort of environmentalist and and health coach and health uh, guru in America has 12 million followers on Facebook and they both did videos on our company in the first three months. And uh, so we, we had a huge awareness, I guess. And so that was, that was great. But that also brought on a lot of stockers and brought on a lot of, of a lot of customers. So and people came to you, stockers of, came yeah, to you. But I guess following that, yeah, it's about um, doing the door knocking piece around, you know, connecting the dots as to who we want to distribute it and, and who we want to work with on that and who's got good reach. And so GoVita's a, a great distributor for us um, online. I mean, around Christmas time and for gifts, our mushroom boxes sell out every year. Oh, that'd be mad, yeah. Under, great a, gift. under a Christmas tree, um, you know, for, for as a novel gift as well. Is that the only, uh, is it only um, oyster mushrooms that you sell We're developing the other ones, <clears throat> yeah. Develop, in summer, it's the pink one as well, which is a pink mushroom, which looks spectacular. It's, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an oyster mushroom. Oyster, but, but it's pink, yeah. Right, so that's cool. Yep, yeah, and we grow reishi and lion's mane, so different times of year, different boxes. And 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 then this is another product. This is your uh, magic mushroom. Co- this is a coffee one. Yeah. Um, and then you've got your medicinal things. Uh, well, yeah. you're more, you know, your, your we call add, them sort of, yeah, liquid extracts. Yeah. Um, and we've got you know those in every variety of mushroom. But again, going back to I guess you know, what we think is the is the best product that we would like to have. It's the liquid extracts in terms of absorption and potency of the compounds can in the mushrooms. Can you just put it straight in your mouth or you have to put it in the water? You can put it straight in your mouth. Yeah, put it straight on your tongue. And I mean, tongue, that's yeah. going to absorb well. It doesn't. Or it, does, it does. Yeah, it, does it will absorb well. well. Um, but yeah, into a into a tea, water, or coffee is in the morning is what we recommend. And what about this one? I mean, I'm I'm and in terms of just into, I just want to quickly jump to your products again. In terms of this one, that's the lobster of the forest, whatever it is. Um, I mean, like, I, I'm intrigued by that one. Yeah. What, what's it called again? It's called the lion's mane. And lion's so if you mane. have it uh, cooked, it's the lion. It you know, tastes this lobster, but we also have it in. Uh, a latte with maca so it's in a cylinder and we also have it in the bottle but that's been very popular on the back of people like joe rogan tim ferris talking a lot about it and being big fans of it and so again just i guess through that natural wave of medicinal mushrooms are really really becoming uh, mainstream at the moment big guys are talking about them which is great and so we've sold out of our, our lion's mane extract um, otherwise i definitely would have brought some for you but what you get with the lion's mane is just uh you know a lot of clarity, memory, concentration, and just clear thinking. Um, and it's it's the research has really shown and supported that it promotes neurogenesis, which means uh, you know essentially nerve cell promotion and production. And so it's great in a, a younger population, a Silicon Valley or you know people engineers or students who really want to be focused and have clarity in their thinking. But then in the older population, when you're getting mild cognitive impairment, which is just like where do they put my keys? What was I thinking? What was I doing this morning? Those guys, those guys, (laughs) lion's mane is amazing for those guys and and early stage of dementia is showing great research. Yeah, I heard on, I was listening something on the ABC last night and I heard that um, one in 10 Australians over the age of 65 have some, have experienced, are experiencing some form of Alzheimer's and then which obviously turns into dementia over 65 years of age, one in 10. So anything that um, you could take, obviously you're not going to wait till you're 65 to start taking, but anything you could take that could actually help yeah. this potential impairment would be worthwhile. It's I would about prevention, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, what we've seen in the last 12 months is kombucha, 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 gut health, gut health, gut health, which is great because it is good for gut health. Uh, lion's mane for brain health is you know, based on the research that, not done by us, but done by very credible universities, um, shows ex- very exciting results. And so, you know, I would give it to my parents, um, but I also take it myself. And uh, I'm a very big endorser of Lion's Mane so, Mushroom. So, like, l- let's just take my pine forest up at my farm. Mm. I mean, can I grow Lion's Mane in my forest? I mean, can anyone grow this stuff? Cultivating these mushrooms in the wild <laughs> is... Um, it's tricky because it's, like it's like going back to being a farmer, I guess, and, you know, relying on the elements and the unknowns of mushrooms is, 
And they only really were commercialized in terms of full-scale production in the 40s, you know, and so prior to that, it, w- it was still an unknown sort of space. And so cultivating in the forests, um, if you're patient, yes, you'll get you'll get mushrooms for sure. I know what you're doing, and there's a technical piece to it. Mm. Um, but so, does it yeah. grow wild anywhere, like lion's mane, for yeah, example? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah. We've, we've cult- that's where we've cultivated our strain from, right. um, a variety of Australian native version of lion's mane. And you found that where? We found that Originally. in northern New South Wales, right? Yeah, up, up, uh, up the northern rivers. Yeah, 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 in the in the forests there, and it's sort of like, um, yeah, going on those those treasure hunts and finding that treasure because we only need a small speck of it, and then we can cultivate it on a petri dish, That's cultivate crazy. it in the lab. And you know, a couple of weeks ago, we found um, a black reishi, which we believe, and from what we've seen, has never been found in Australia. But the only reason it's probably never been found is because people don't know what they're looking at. Yeah, yeah. Tr- tr- mm. uh, and well, if you, you found it, someone else could have found it, but, may have, but they don't know what they're looking for is your exactly, point. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So and what's that black reishi? Black reishi, which Reishi-ray. is a variety of the reishi mushroom, which, again, going back in Chinese medicine, was written about 3,000 years ago as being one of the most potent medicinal um, you know, natural food sources. Wow. So so you're, so at your... You got a factory in the industrial estate, or like a, a building. We work with the herb nursery there, which is a disability organisation, which um, we work with there, and we enable them to to grow mushrooms again. So that's sort of a, a great community partnership that we have, and now we've just extended our facilities because we're we're growing at a, at a rapid rate, which is exciting. But we're um, based out of the Department of Industries um, in Wallingbar as well, where we have all of our labs. Um, it's all becoming very yeah, you know. Laboratory like white lab coats and uh, you know that's procedures you, that you're talking about in terms of um, um, cultivation as opposed to growing lots and lots of stuff because exactly, the Department yeah. of Industry isn't going to sort of sponsor your commercial no, outcomes, but they it. want your research. They want the research and the yeah. technology and just say, but um, yeah. So we we do. I keep we keep our stuff internal in terms of the IP, of course, and in terms of what we're developing. Um, but then once we sort of, I guess, we enable other growers that information um, in term, through so the national mushroom through that. So how does this work now? Because obviously you're, you've run out of stuff and some, some of the strains. So yep. how do you maintain supply? Because there's one thing to have unbelievable demand, mm. but there's just a waste a time if you can't supply it. Yep. So what way did you aggregate supply? So we believe, I guess, in a in a decentralized food system, uh, and so how do we do that? It's not about us having one big mushroom farm that supplies all of Australia. It's about enabling micro businesses across Australia, and that's the National Mushroom Network, which I guess is a division of Lifecycle. And at the moment, we've been running this program for three months, and we have twenty six growers. So we have a grower in Cairns, Hunter Valley, Blue Mountains. We have a new grower, Hobart, Kalgoorlie, uh, Fremantle. So all of these, I guess, regional areas and urban areas, we believe, can have uh, you know a micro business growing mushrooms locally, and again, it's bringing that that story back to community and back to where did my food come from and knowing who grew my food. So you accredit these organisations. You say, look, uh, let's say my guys at my farm at Byron said they wanted to become one a part of this national network, yep. and they said we want to grow one of these particular mushrooms that well, all of them or whatever. Yep. You give them the formula. Yep. Do you go out and sort of say, okay, we're going to supervise you, or show you, we're going to teach you how to do it, or is it an online course, or um, how, how do they become yeah, accredited? Yeah, it's, it's sort of a turnkey enablement package. Yep. Um, where again, even anyone with a backyard with no mushroom experience can do it. So thinking back to the gig economy, mm-hmm. Ubers and you know uh, Airbnbs, where they've utilised resources that are being wasted, backyard. excess capacity not being used. Exactly. So what's one of those is a backyard, mm. and so. With mushrooms, you, in a three-by-three three space, we can allow for someone to grow up to 40 kilos per week. Which can, 40 kilos a week. Yeah. Three-by-three three three by three meters. Yeah. yeah. And, and I always had this thought mushrooms had to be grown in the dark, but obviously not. No, it's only really the buttons or the Swiss browns. All the rest need like a, a forest floor. High humidity, fresh air, and indirect light. And right. so that's what we – this is the environment we create. So it's, we've got three models as a part of the National Mushroom Network. We have the solar shroom room which is a 40-kilo model, which goes into your backyard, three-by-three three space, and it's, it's, you, I guess you're investing in a business in that sense. You can make anywhere between $400 and $1,200 a week profit from growing mushrooms, selling them at your local farmer's market. We supply our farmer's markets with our own solar shroom room in Byron and Bangalore, and we sell out every week. Um, so there's huge demand for these mushrooms, especially at farmer's markets. So we believe in 
and I guess people shopping at farmers markets and people um, growing food locally and monetizing their backyard and creating jobs uh, through microeconomics, through business enablement. And and let's say I'm uh, I'm in let's say I live in Asheville in Sydney and um, I got you know three by three backyard, a small backyard, and uh, and I want to be part of your national network, growers network, um, and I don't have a farmers market because there's not one in Ashfield. Um, do I do I harvest these forty kilos each week and send them up to you at Byron, and you guys then process them and turn them into these other products? How does it work? Yeah, for the medicinal mushrooms. The cordyceps and and these guys, I guess, and the processing we do that all. We have our we have a our own growing facilities for that, but for feeding the community uh, with with mushrooms, which can be the lion's mane as well, but the oysters uh, most particularly, uh, they grow them and they sell them to their local market. So like yeah. so so the national network is more more designed for people who have local markets or farm, farmers markets, yeah, those type yeah. of things. I mean, there's three models. One grows 40 kilos a week. So that's, you know, it's a, it's a business and that's, you're looking at somewhere between 12 and 16 hours per week of your time to generate that business and man- manage it and look after it. And for example, we have a lady in the Mornington Peninsula who's a carer for her mum who has multiple sclerosis. And so she's, you know, staying at home, but she, she can now use her backyard to generate additional revenue, but still be at home to support her mother. And so there's many different scenarios, I guess, that we had a couple of guys who've left mining industries um, to, to do mushroom farming. And um, we've got a family who, I guess, wanted to teach their kids about business on a and micro level. What's in it for level. you, though? I mean, like, do you, you, get, you make a quit out of selling the kit? We're, I guess, what's your business? We're licensed. We're, <clears throat> we're sharing our IP. Uh, we're, we're giving them a turnkey solution. And, so they um, pay up front and they get a, you get a royalty yep. from something. Yep. Yeah, so yep. they pay weekly yep. or something yep. like that. Because we had so many people early on come to us yeah, yeah. on the back of that media that I mentioned. And I want to do what you're doing. I want to do what you're doing. Yeah. And so we looked at, okay, yeah, we want to enable people, um, but how do we do that? And so typically to set up a you know a full-scale operation, you're looking at 150K, um, you're looking at you know needing a number of workers, and that's a minimum cost, versus uh, the solar shroom room packages start at around $10,000 all the way up to to $15,000, they can be financed, so there's nothing down. And so in that way, you know, you can be paying uh, paying off $100 a week, but selling mushrooms straight away and be selling up to $500 to $1,000 a week in mushrooms. Right. And so that way, I guess it's making it turnkey. It's creating jobs because we know where, you know, where are jobs being created in the future and then also connecting that back to, to growing food. And so there's a massive demand for these mushrooms in the market. We can't grow them all. We know lo- localization is important especially with mushrooms because the fresher they are, the better with any fresh produce. And so that's sort of our model. But then, of course, there's ongoing support. There's an ongoing community that you're a part of. There's a network of growers that you can converse with and talk with. And at the back end, our team of scientists are constantly developing IP, which gets rolled out to the network, and they're benefiting from that. Like a Microsoft upgrade. Exactly. They get the mic. Okay, guys, this is how we're going to grow the mushrooms now. This, this, this. And so there's, I guess, that network effect of intelligence going on. You set them up with the original spores or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. They they get all that from you. And then in terms of your medicinal stuff or Mm -hmm. the stuff that you pre you package Mm -hmm. yourselves, Mm -hmm. that all gets done in Byron. Uh, We grow the mushrooms and the extracts there. Um, We do some packaging in Melbourne as well. So um, we work with some some packers there. So you distribute as a package and uh, those warehouse stuff things for you and then distribute it for you as well. Um, And in in your – and in – at Byron, what you've been using, because, you know, like I, I think what's important for audiences to hear about is, I mean, apart from all the cool stuff that's going on here, mm. these guys have got to work out a, um, a supply chain. <laughs> so the supply chain is uh, sort of layered. You've got lots, mm. you've got your local market supply chain where you're not really getting any of that other than building the, um, um, setting up the package for the people who actually grow it in their backyard or wherever they're growing it. And then you get you get a, a, an upfront fee and probably some sort of royalty for, for the use of your intellectual property and the upgrades on your intellectual property. Then what you're doing is you've got all your other specialty products, um, gift gift boxes and these other products mm-hmm. you're doing. You grow this stuff yourselves and then, again, supply chain, you've got to somehow get it to a warehouse to be distributed to the various places you talk about, like yep. Santos and yep. uh, Vita. Go Vita is another Go distributor. Yeah, um, and it's and, also through social platforms, as we know, like – Amazing businesses today have been built on those platforms. If we look at High Smile, um, you know, the guys on the Gold Coast mm-hmm. there built a massive business, Spell, um, another great fashion label in Bar- these, Spell, yeah. These companies don't go through distributors or wholesalers. They go direct to consumer through their own 
media platform being yeah. Instagram, and so that's a big part of our strategy as well. So you, so then you got to, your third leg of distribution is through your own social media, through your own mediums, yeah. through your own mediums, um, be it social or otherwise, um, and. But you are growing this, these things and your your extraction process and all the science that goes around bottling it and et cetera um, and, you know, making, producing the medicinal level stuff. It gets done in your factory in Byron or somewhere in Byron Bay in the industrial state. Yeah, we are a vertically integrated business and I guess that's one of the most key parts for us in terms of why we can develop and be confident in the best product in terms of the best science because 95% of medicinal mushrooms come from China. Uh, they're repackaged and they're labelled and they're you know a marketing company. Um, we see ourselves as a biotechnology company, but of course you've got to be strong on marketing, you've got to be strong on sales, you've got to be strong on story, uh, and you've got to present that case. And so we're trying to, I guess, do all of that, which makes it harder. But in the long term, I think that's how you really win, by being vertically integrated and being defensible because you have the science and you can be as transparent as possible. And I think transparency will win out in the long term when the customer says, how was it grown? How was it made? Where was it grown? Where was it grown? Where was it made? And so that's our strategy. And, um, you know, we, we uh, I guess, believe our products are, are very high quality because of that. And, and where is the greatest demand coming from? Is it coming from overseas or is it coming from local? We're moving into, heading over to North America in January. Um, we've just bring on uh, Bulletproof Media. Uh, who's part of David Asprey and Bulletproof Coffee. Um, they've come on as a, as a shareholder and advisor to the board, so that's exciting because they're doing amazing things over there, and we're getting a lot of interest, especially on our biotechnology from North America. Uh, I guess you know, out of Toronto, out of Vancouver, they're very advanced in that medicinal marijuana space in biotechnology in general. They're doing great work when it comes to algae farming, et cetera, and so they know mushrooms is that next space, and so heading over there to develop and, and scale all of that. In terms of consumer products, uh, Australia is catching on um, in terms of lion's mane, cordyceps, and it's definitely, I mean, we've, we've sold out of, of lion's mane and cordyceps this week, which is great. Uh, we're scaling production as we speak, so that will be you know, reinstated very soon. But um, yeah, we're at the bottom of an exciting J-curve, we believe, in terms of medicinal mushrooms. This is, a, is unbelievable. I love it when I get people into here, and we had someone in here two weeks ago um, who was the owner and the managing director of the world's largest um, 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 cannabis um, product aggregator in the world, the Canadian mm. listed company. Um, and what is amazing to me is um, the sorts of businesses that get, get are getting created, like these biotechs getting created out of new ideas, novel areas, areas which we probably ordinarily wouldn't even ever think of. Mm. And it's, in your case, it's been done right here under our noses in Byron Bay, which is fantastic. Um, I'm, you've won me over. Um, I, th- I think I'm, I'm going to start buying some of this stuff. Um, I always give everyone an opportunity to ask me a question. I mean, I don't know. I've been doing all the questions, asking all the questions. I don't know what you would want to possibly ask me. But if you've got a question for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's, got a couple probably, but let's start with one um, around, I guess, scaling businesses. Scaling culture and hiring, because at the moment we've got a very, uh, you know, the core team is, uh, you know, eight people and we have an extended team of probably 60 people. Um, But within that core team, um, the culture is really good. Everyone's in their own uh, paddocks and their own areas doing amazing work. Um, As I move over to America with some of the team and, and I guess we're separated and we're not together as much and you're hiring a lot of new people, how do you maintain culture uh, as you scale? It's a big problem. It really is a big problem. Um, and I, I think you've got to have, I mean, it sounds a bit weird, but you've got to have your apostles and your disciples, you know, and uh, looking at you, actually, you've got a bit of a Jesus thing going on there. <laughs> Look at, I was bold, then I went to Byron and I got a beard <laughs> and uh, some hair. No, well, <laughs> that's, that's that's a good story. Um, but I, uh, But you do have to do it that way. You have to have, you know, 10 to 20 people who are absolutely committed to what you do and you need to send them off in different directions. So if you've got eight people now who are really close to you that are sitting in Byron Bay, that's great, but they're no, not going to be any good to you if you're going to be spreading your wings all around the world. So you've got to be in a position where you can actually get one of those eight or 10 or one of the 20 of your apostles to actually go, someone needs to go to North America. You need to transport the culture to the place, not try and build it there. You need to actually, like it's a bit like the spores that, come, that you use for your mushrooms. I can't grow your mushroom unless I get your spore. Yeah. So you got to you send the spore to me. You got to send your apostle to there, and then the apostles got to build disciples. 
So it, and it really is a very disciplined process. So the best example of that is the biggest religion in the world is you know, Christianity. Christianity today. Um, and one thing that uh, the, the dude did is that he built um, the, the best culture and the most everlasting culture we've ever seen in our history. Mm. And there's a lot to be learned from that. I'm not talking about a religious point. I'm just talking about culture, yeah. which is your question. Yeah. And that's a very difficult thing because you've got to get people who are prepared to move out of Byron Bay and go and recreate what's in Byron Bay and put it somewhere else. Yeah. But they know exactly what the culture is. One person can't do it. You can't do it. You have to have your apostles to do it. And you've got to find out who these guys or girls are and will they travel. I mean, they, like, I know people, to, to some extent, there's got to be some controversy around it too. Um, and there's got to be something that's a bit out there, like not necessarily acceptable. Um, and you've got that. You're in that space. There's This is controversial because it's novel. Um, you've got to have detractors so that people are going to say, you know, you want the controversy because that actually helps you build your publicity. It actually helps also to keep within the individual who goes to, say, Canada, if, if Canada is one of the places you're going to go to, it, it, it keeps them on their toes and it keeps them believing. They've got to believe in this, like absolutely believe in this, not commerce. They've got to believe in this as, a, as an outcome. And that, that's the part that comes down to you. And then what, you've done, what you do, then once you've got your people spread around the world, then you, you, unfortunately you've got to go through this process of holding conventions and conferences and it's going to take – your time will ultimately be, if you're one of the owners, will ultimately be about building and maintaining the culture. Mm-hmm. Nothing, nothing else. And, and s- selling the song to all your guys and girls. That will be – that's going to be your biggest challenge. It takes up a lot of energy. It's a hard thing to do, really hard to do. And you're always going to be f- fighting against people who are going to think they can do it themselves. So you're going to have to, you're going to have some people in there like a comet at the front of the comet. You're going to have people are going to be jumping off the comet, you know. Like the, so, you don't always want superstars. You want your middle people, the yep. people in the middle of the comet. They attract everything on the tail, but at the front of the comet, if you've got all superstars at the front. So I'm not saying that you know your apostles need to be superstars, because superstars can be a problem. Yep. They think they'll do what you can do, yep. and eventually, and especially if they're out of your environment. So if they're out of your environment, you haven't sort of got them close to you, they'll say, well, why don't I just do this myself? And then, by the way, someone will come along to them and say, would you like to come do this with me? Yeah. That's there. there. So I can't answer your question because other than just discuss it with you because there's, there's a whole lot of layers to this. Yeah. First off, find your apostles. Build them up. Know who they are. You'll trust them. Great. Then you've got to send them, disperse them to the various regions that you want to operate in. Then you've got to make sure you got you can retain them, and the retention part is the hardest part by far, mm-hmm. because they're always going to get you're going to be nobbled. Expect to lose the superstars. Yeah. Don't if you you lower expectation, you have less disappointments. Mm-hmm. You'll expect to lose the superstars. Then if they don't go, you know, happy days. If they do go, doesn't matter. Yeah. So you've got this um, balancing trick of building superstars, but not making them too good. But at the same time, how do I keep them when I do send them away? And, and if they do go, how do I replace them? And you always got to have this process in your own organization of building more apostles yep. yourself locally so that there's upward pressure. So superstar in, um, this sounds terrible, but superstar in Toronto uh, gets nobbled by a, someone else over there who goes along with a rich guy, goes along and says, listen, why don't you come and join me and do the same thing? And uh, superstars thinks to himself, "Yeah, I'll do this because I've got all the IP. I understand. I built every. I built all these relationships everywhere. Everyone in Toronto loves me. Um, I'm getting articles in the newspaper, all that sort of stuff. Everyone's talking about me. Yeah, I should be making this money. It should be my business. Mm. If they think that there is a a person pushing up behind them, um, then they'll think twice about it because they know if they leave, that. But put it, put another. If you don't have someone pushing up behind them, in other words, backfilling their position, they think I can leave and I can own this all myself. Yeah. What you got to have them thinking is uh, someone going. If they leave, you're going to you're going to put in their place someone else just as good as them, who's going to take their position. Yeah. So it's a bit like uh, the way the AFL recruits or rugby league recruits. Mm-hmm. The the game of rugby league and AFL and maybe rugby union you know, don't understand that well, but those two other games, those two big games, it's all about your recruitment. Mm-hmm. You can't have someone who's so good. They demand so much money that you can't afford to pay anybody else. The way you manage it is you've always got someone coming up behind them 
who's nearly as good or will be as good. And you always got to get the guy at the top, the superstar, thinking, shit, that guy's come through. He's fantastic. And that's what you've got to do in your business. Yeah. It sounds good to call it culture. Yeah. It's about commerce mm. and about common sense and about dealing with people's egos. Yeah. And you can overlay that with call it culture and make everyone feel nice, warm, and fuzzy. But in a day, egos will overtake mm. these things. That's going to be your biggest challenge. So you've got to, you've got to actually outthink them. Yeah. And to me, that's the answer to your question. Thanks very much. That was awesome, Julian. I, I really loved it. Like, uh, hopefully, this is going to leave this for me. Absolutely. Thank you. And I'm going to try the coffee. Try that one. And, yeah, and I'll take the drops. That one, yeah. Cool. Very cool. Thanks very much. Nice right. to meet you. Yeah. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.